Mike Pence wins the running mate debate. Will it matter on November 8th? The gubernatorial debate highlights differences over RIFRA, and a federal appeals court says no to the governor's ban on Syrian immigrants. That plus charges of voter fraud, a where am I moment in the VP debate, and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending October 7, 2016. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. This week, Mike Pence and Tim Kaine met in the only vice presidential debate, and by most accounts, Pence won. He remained calm despite numerous interruptions by Kaine, though he failed to defend Donald Trump on a number of occasions. Here are some samples. And paid a few taxes and lost a billion dollars a year. You you are Donald uh, Trump's apprentice. Uh, Um, Let let me talk about this issue. Senator, I think think I'm still on my time. Well, I think, isn't this a discussion? This is our open discussion. Let's talk about the state of the world. Let me interrupt you you and finish my sentence if I can. While she was Secretary of State, she had a private server that was discovered to keep that pay to play process out of the reach of the public. Because Hillary Clinton failed to renegotiate. More, more American troops Hillary in Iraq, Clinton, you can, Hillary you can propose Clinton, that. Right. Hillary Clinton failed to renegotiate a status of forces agreement. No, that is incorrect. Gentlemen, and so we, remove, we removed all of our troops from Iraq, and ISIS like was able to be conjured up in that vacuum but, but I'd like to and overrun vacuum. Did the Mike Pence performance benefit Donald Trump? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel, Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, Nikki Kelly, State House Bureau Chief of the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette, and John Ketzenberger, President of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV State House reporter Jim Shella. Ann Delaney, did Pence exceed expectations? Well, I think he appeared calm, and so he obviously distinguished himself from the frontrunner who was absolutely impossible in his first debate. But, I mean, Trump. You're talking about I'm Trump. Trump. I'm okay. talking about Trump. So, but Tim Kaine so was a little out of control, wasn't Tim, he? He should have had decaf a little earlier in the day, I think. But substantively, Strange Tim advice Kaine, coming from you, by the way. But <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Just saying. Is that screeching halt? I <laughs> Go ahead. As I was about to say, before I was so rudely interrupted by the moderator, the, the issue was substantively Tim Kaine nailed it. And uh, since then, all the fact checks have shown that Mike Pence blew it on every single issue. And what's interesting about this is his failure to defend Trump. I mean, this wasn't about Trump as far as Mike Pence was concerned. This was about projecting Mike Pence into the national spotlight for 2020. Well, the Hillary Clinton campaign put out a video this week that shows Mike Pence repeatedly saying Donald Trump didn't say that and then showing the video where Donald Trump said it. So uh, he, he is, the initial reviews were glowing for Mike Pence, but, but a day or two later, it's, it's not quite the same. Well, that's, that's what you get in post-debate spin. But you know as well as I do, what's important is who, who the public thought won that night. 
And clearly, Mike Pence was the overall winner on that debate stage that night. And I think he did a number of things. One, I think he recalculated uh, and redid the uh, agenda for the election, meaning that he got back on where Trump should have been for the last month, which is talking about the economy, talking about national defense, talking about terrorism, talking about the, tr the multi-trillion dollar debt explosion. He did those things instead of getting bogged down on all the other stuff. And I think that was important. And he also helped Trump. I think he did help Trump from the standpoint that he brought, he assured a lot of people out there, especially a lot of conservative voters, that it's good to be part of something that's got Mike Pence as part of this ticket. And I think it was a big win for Mike. There's, there have been three instances, wait a minute, there have been three instances where he's had a chance to really shine on the national spotlight. The speech at the convention, Cleveland. which he hit a home run on, everybody agrees with that how he's conducted himself day-to-day -day in the campaign, and then last night's debate. In all three of those circumstances, he really performed outstanding. Well, I think that's right. In fact, I saw a survey that said three out of ten Trump supporters would like to see Mike Pence at the top of the ticket. He, <laughs> he, 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 uh, but he really established himself as a national figure uh, where he was largely unknown before that debate. He has, and if his goal is, as many people think, was to take on this role to prepare himself for 2020. I mean, I think I saw a poll today already. He's the leading Republican in 2020 as far as presidential candidates. And I do think he did great in the debate. I, we have seen some issues afterward. And obviously, I think the big one that was an issue substantive was he was so different from Trump on the foreign policy. So that might have caused some internal discord, allegedly, but that was the only negative I could see. There were reports that Donald Trump wasn't happy because Mike Pence did better than he did. You buy that? Well, <laughs> let's remember that the bar was incredibly low, and I think that uh, any step would have made Mike Pence a better person in the debate than Donald Trump was in his first go-around. Look, we, we uh, look at these debates in many ways. As Mike said, public looks at it one way. Uh, people who pay attention to them look at them in a different way. Um, but, but the, well... The public doesn't pay attention to basically what you just said. Uh, well, you they can interpret that if you want, but they look at it differently than, than other people who know the issues maybe better than the public does, Mike. And, and the, the, the truth is, this process has become theater. And uh, whether the or not... The theater is important. Well, is it important when it's at the expense of substance? And the public says it wants substance until it says, well, that's boring because we didn't get any theater. So the, the truth of the matter is, uh, Mike Pence, I think, helped himself out a lot. Uh, now he has entered the, the period where he is going to get more intense scrutiny at all levels, and we'll see whether he can stand up to that scrutiny, because he needed those performances that Mike talked yeah. about, because he had flopped so badly on the national stage before that. Well, it's my take that, that because of his performance, he will have a higher profile now in the national media, yet his role in the campaign is unlikely to change. That's right. And, but the, the, the media is going to give him more scrutiny, because the fact check shows that you can always win a debate if the truth has nothing to do with what you're saying, which is where he was. I mean, it wasn't just on one or two things. It wasn't just on foreign policy. He said that Trump didn't say things that you have video of Trump saying. He has things where he said he didn't say it, where there's video of him saying it. So if the truth has nothing to do with it, which is what the case was in that debate, you can always be the victor if you stay calm. The goal of any vice presidential debate is not to do any harm to your ticket, and he clearly far exceeded that. And I think uh, I think Senator Kane did hurt the ticket, only because 
uh, unlikability and well, the way he approached say, it. And if there's one thing Hillary Clinton doesn't need right now, it's more unlikability in that ticket. Well, the thing about the vice presidential debates, as we all know, when you see the theater like you did mm-hmm. in the Quail uh, debate where you're no Jack Kennedy, yeah. didn't do any good, didn't affect the outcome. All right, time now for viewer feedback. Each week we pose an unscientific online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. This week's question, did Mike Pence appear presidential in the running mate debate? Your choices are A, yes, B, no, and C, what is presidential. Last week's question, will you watch all three presidential debates? 56% said, I can't look away. 21% said, it's a waste of time. 23% said, just tell me about them. If you'd like to take part in the poll, go to wfyi.org slash iwir and look for the poll. There was a strong performance from Democrat John Gregg in this week's gubernatorial debate. He proved he is a more experienced candidate than Republican Eric Holcomb, who nevertheless stuck to his message in what was a very civil debate. Gregg made no reference or made references to RIFRA at the beginning and end of the debate and made this declaration in the middle. We would sign an executive order that would give civil rights protection to the uh, members of the LGBT community that work for the state of Indiana. We would also seek for the legislature to pass legislation granting civil rights protection and hate crimes for members of the LGBT community. We have in Indiana local ordinances that allow folks to address the economic development side of this uh, with uh, local uh, HROs. And if uh, local communities seek to take advantage of those, they have been. I I would certainly like to see a state where all people are are treated equally and all people have the same rights. I I think we need to understand that. And that's Libertarian Rex Bell. Mike McDaniel, was that the most important debate in the race for governor? The most important debate? I ask that because there are three. The first one was held uh, during the daytime in front of a high school audience. The okay. last one will be held in Evansville. Uh, this is this is the one well, that most the people... Well, the moderator. Well, let me, <laughs> let me start by saying I thought it was very well moderated. Congratulations. By John Katzenberger. No, seriously, you. because that was a complicated system there where <laughs> I'm trying to keep track of what you were saying. <laughs> Two minutes here, one minute there, one minute back, whatever it was. And I thought just trying to keep score of that was a major accomplishment, so nice job. Thank you. It wasn't lit very well. I don't know who did that. <laughs> uh, you know, John Gregg had this beam on his bald head, and you had Harold Holcomb from the bottom look like Nixon. You know, no. it's so dark. But other than that, I thought it was a, an outstanding <laughs> debate. I really did. I thought it was an outstanding debate. Yeah. I thought it was an excellent exchange of ideas. I was going to say, you, you did see the debate I saw. We'll well, I thought it was a, a great exchange of ideas, and, you know, in the, in, the, in the big scheme of things, I wonder how many people actually saw it, you know. And in and, and the, and the big scheme of things, I don't know that that moves the needle one way or the other. I will say this. I think that it probably helped Eric some because Eric had to uh, look like he belonged on that stage. You know, John's been running for governor for right. six, six years. Eric is a newcomer to the process. And so by looking like he belongs on that stage, it probably helped Eric some. Yet, yet Eric uh, didn't address the camera. He spoke yeah. to the moderator throughout. Yeah. John Gregg, I, I thought, did a much better job of addressing the voters at home and, and appeared to be more relaxed and more in control of, uh, of right. and more the information. Right, no- and, and more knowledgeable, too. Uh, I mean, for example, on the RIFRA idea, uh, uh, Eric Holcomb says, well, there are local ordinances. What he neglects to say is that Mike Pence and his friends are challenging all those local ordinances in court. 
So the protections may not be there. Although John Gregg did misspeak on that uh, point. He, he, he did. also he did. cleaned it up right after when he realized he had misspoke, misspoken. But in this particular case, you've got, you've got, you have a situation where the problem has not been, quote, put behind us, as Eric Colcom says, because his buddies are the ones filing the lawsuits. All right, John Ketzenberger, last week I asked you if you could do a better job than what <laughs> happened in the first debate. Thank you for doing so. Well, <laughs> thank you for saying so. <laughs> <laughs> you, from, your, from your perspective, was that, was that what you hoped it to be? Well, yes, in the sense that um, they adhered to the agreement that they had made ahead of time. Um, only once did we have to really pay attention to time. Um, I wish we'd been able to get through more of the questions that we had because we had good questions. But uh, uh, I think that, that they demonstrated that this is a thoughtful campaign and that we have qualified people, and, and that's encouraging. Mickey, should the Libertarian be included in these debates? I think so. I mean, he's on the ballot just as well as the other two, and I, I think he should definitely be included. And I've received more email wanting to know things about Rex Bell than I have about John Gregg or Eric Holcomb. That's interesting. Yeah, it, the, the rules are different. In the, in the presidential debates, you have to get to 15% of the polls, and Gary Johnson is on the ballot in all 50 states. Um, here, Rex Bell polls at probably 4%. Um, yeah, I think having a threshold makes sense because you're going to have candidates that file and, and get qualified that really are going to take time from the from the major candidates in that debate. I mean, when you have like Gary Johnson not knowing what Aleppo is, never mind where it is or what's going on there, when you have and can't name a national leader that he uh, an international leader that he admires, you, you you look at that and say, why are we wasting time on this? Because he has no shot. And neither does this one. And yeah. they should have a threshold, I think, to make it a credible candidate. Agree? I agree. All right. A federal appeals court this week struck down the ban on Syrian immigrants imposed by Mike Pence. The governor said there is room for ISIS terrorists to, to make their way into the refugee program and then resettle here. But the court said that was, quote, without evidence and called it, quote, nightmare speculation. You know, the court was quite clear in noting that this is based on pure speculation by the state, and we're not going to tolerate discrimination based on mere speculation. That's Ken Falk of the ACLU of Indiana, John Ketzenberger. One of the judges in this case is on Trump's list uh, to become a possible Supreme Court appointee. Did he, he hurt his chances? <laughs> uh, she. Did, yeah, did she hurt her chances? Um, you know, First of all, a couple things have to happen before he has the chance to name her to the to the court. Um, but as far as hurting her chances, you can't worry about that. And I, and I don't think it's relevant anyway. Um, look, all of them, th this was an incredible case um, in that this is almost the same panel of judges that heard the RIFRA appeals. And uh, it almost sounded to me, when I listened to the arguments and then when I read their decision on the injunction, that they said, enough with the political theater. Um, let's get back to worrying about uh, the substance of laws. And uh, all three of them were unanimous in this. Uh, Judge Posner, uh, a Reagan appointee, and Judge Easterbrook, also a Reagan, Reagan appointee, uh, at one point um, Posner mocked the state's counsel and Easterbrook yawned over him. So, yeah. I mean, it's uh, uh, side, I should say, side yeah. audibly over his arguments. So I think that this was a stinging rebuke for the state, and it really 
is not relevant to the other judges' chances. And, and back to the to the governor debate. Uh, one time when Eric Holcomb mentioned Mike Pence in that debate, and one time when he disagreed with him, he said that he would he would follow the court ruling in this case. Clearly, tried to create some separation. Uh, well, during the better follow the court ruling. Right. During the debate, he he simply said he would follow the court ruling. When pressed a little after in a in a little reporter gaggle, um, he did say that you know he would not have done the ban that Pence had done, that he would welcome the refugees. And I did also want to just sort of point out that um, that ruling, I mean, everyone always says, you know, we want to follow the rule of law, the rule of law. And obviously, and I feel a little bad for Solicitor General who had to argue the case yeah, because Fisher. the law is yeah. not on yeah. his side, and he knows it, and he's kind of stuck defending that. So I'm not surprised by the sighing and the mocking. It's, it's a bad day for Mike Pence. Well, a bad, a bad decision for Mike Pence, but look, you know, 34 governors at the time <clears throat> said they felt the same way, including a Democrat governor in that mix. And uh, when you're thinking about the security of your state, I mean, I totally understand his decision at the time. And, uh, you know, as recently as September 21st, member of the State Department said, we can't be sure that they're not trying to infiltrate during the refugee system. So it's still out there. And, uh, and part of the ruling said we don't have any evidence yet. The word yet was in the ruling. So, you know, I, I think it was a legit at the time to make that that. Uh, that determination, and I think a lot of people around the state also agree with it. Well, and on a similar front, Donald Trump at one point said there should be a ban on Muslim immigration, yeah. and uh, Mike Pence this week said that's no longer Donald Trump's position. He, I haven't heard it out of Donald Trump's mouth, yeah, but it's not but, his position. They can't have both sides of every issue, which is what Mike Pence is trying to do at the moment. And he can wave this court decision aside like he did in the vice presidential debate, but it was a stimming, singing rebuke. This was not about terrorism. This was about political points, Goring, and that's all it was. Mike Pence is a lawyer. He knew, as well as the Solicitor General knew, that they could not do this. And he went ahead and wasted state resources trying to do it anyway, to point himself up as you know, somebody who's going to discriminate. Going to discriminate. And he, he likes that term. He wants to discriminate against LGBT no, people, on. and he wants to discriminate against Muslims, just like his running mate. Well, he, he says that there is no discrimination in Indiana. Oh, right. right. And you know what? He's not telling us the truth. <laughs> Let's move on. Indiana State Police said this week they have found evidence of voter fraud. Troopers conducted raids at the office of the Indiana Voter Registration Project. They say registration cards in nine counties, now 57 counties, have come back with inaccurate information. Detectives say they are looking for cards with fake names and addresses or real names paired with wrong addresses. The group behind the Indiana Voter Registration Project says the raid is politically motivated and targets what the group calls, quote, urban voters. Here is State Police Captain Dave Burston. You as a voter potentially could go to vote on Election Day, and when they look up your name, they'll, they'll say, oh, we, we see that you've moved. You, you don't vote here anymore. You need to be across town. So now your vote has just been disenfranchised. Nikki Kelly, does this sound like a witch hunt or the real deal? Well, I think there are obviously some some problematic voter registrations that have been, you know, put in. Um, talking to sources, I mean, I just can't figure this investigation out. I can't figure out if, you know, the alleged goal is to 
register people who shouldn't be registered to vote or to suppress by using different addresses or different names for people. You know, the source, the, everyone's saying go check your voter registration to make sure you can, right. can vote. So I don't think it's a witch hunt as much as just trying to figure out what's going on and they haven't really been able to find any patterns across the county lines. Well, it's not really clear what's going on with this organization or why they're, why they're here and what they're up to. Well, that's the, the thing that uh, is confusing for me as well. Is it a, is it a witch hunt uh, against this group, which operates in, I think, 30 states total? Um, is it an attempt to shed some light on this to make sure that people aren't disenfranchised, uh, as, the, as Sergeant Burston said? Um, or, or just what is going on? Because if you have an improper registration, that's a long way from voter fraud. Fraud occurs when you try to vote illegally. I was going to say, there and won't be any voter fraud until election that's day right. or early and voting. And so, you know, what? I'm with Nikki completely. I'm confused by this. Well, I, I don't know who this group is, but my understanding is that they have gone into the clerks. They pay people to go out and get the registrations, which is part of what the problem is. And then they bring the registrations to the clerk, and they have, ha they have taken some to the – they were obligated to turn them in by law. And they, they have them, and they put some aside and say, you need to check these carefully because we're not sure they're accurate. I mean, if they're doing that, it seems to me, I don't think there's any fraud. Could, it does question whether we ought to be using paid uh, people to do this, right. but who have an incentive to churn more and more registrations. Right. Those people say that it's politically motivated by well, Republicans. I think, I think accusing the uh, Indiana State Police of being involved in the politics of this is just absurd. Uh, this started in Hendricks County where they found an... an a lot of uh, mistaken uh, forms that were turned in, and then they found out that some of those forms had were actually Marion County addresses, so yeah. it's spelled over to Marion. Now it's 57 counties. Right. And what you've got going here, and they're, they're claiming now that there's some racial motivation. Well, you don't ask race on any voter right. uh, form, so there's no way of knowing anybody that signed on one of those forms whether they're, what their yeah. race is, so that's, that's crazy. And Which as far as the Secretary of State... The state police came to the Secretary of State after what happened in Harris yeah. County to ask for clarification about the law and about the way the process worked. I don't think we get an answer to this until uh, after election That's day. probably but, right, but it's also important to understand what the mistakes are. If they're just duplicates. Well, a lot of people go and register a no, second they got time. wrong names they, with well, addresses, made up that. names with addresses. But as you say, there's no set pattern But But this. it's important to say this right quick, that each county clerk now has a check. responsibility responsibility to try to make them right. Yeah. Right. And you know what a big job that is with sure. no more yeah. time left? Yeah. Possible. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The mayor of Carmel could be getting a huge raise as part of a budget proposal that he submitted. It includes a $50,000 raise for Mayor Jim Brainerd. If approved, he would make close to $180,000 more than a U.S. Senator, Indiana Governor, or the mayor of Indianapolis. The mayor generally has done a, a good job for the city of Carmel, and he deserves to be paid appropriately, but I think that the size of this increase is simply not justified. And I can't imagine anybody that deserves a better raise than that. He, he does about everything I can think of. Little voter reaction there in Carmel, Mike McDaniel, on a scale of one to ten, how bold is that budget request? <laughs> well, it's pretty bold, and there's no question about it, but, but I'll say this. We've said in this show through the years, thousands of times that most elected officials are underpaid. I agree. And in this particular case, they had an independent firm go out and do a study of the 12 cities that they compete with on everything and found that what they're requesting isn't out of line with what those cities do that they're competing with. And, and again, 
you know, this is up to the local community. If they want to want to do this, and it's my understanding there's no tax increase involved to pay for it. It's not just the mayor. It's all of the department heads. And but they don't, they don't get raises quite as big as his. But my, my point is it's, it's, it's for us to sit here, year after year, and say that yeah. most public officials are underpaid. And then... And if you're going to ask for it, why not ask for the yeah. top of it? Because you never know how long it's going to be get it. Back. Probably not going to get it. <laughs> Jim Brainerd worth 180 Oh, boy, I tell you. you got the most Republican city in the most Republican county, and fiscal responsibility just goes out the window. No tax <laughs> Love it. Finally. Oh, okay. Finally. So you spend it anyway. Huh? We conclude with one more item from the vice presidential debate. Mike Pence got something wrong right out of the box. Thank you to Norwood University for their wonderful hospitality. The Commission on Presidential Debates is deeply humbling for me to be here. He said Norwood University instead of Longwood University. Ann Delaney, is that forgivable? You know, I'd cut him slack on that compared to the rest of the whoppers he told all night long. That's nothing. <laughs> First sentence. She First hates sentence. it that he won. It's driving her crazy. I know. No, I hate it that he lies. That's yeah. what I hate. But, but he did kind of light up the He's internet thinking, with that the Norwood Institute? Wasn't that the culinary thing down at West Baden for a while here I in don't, Indiana? I don't know. I think you got to confuse it with that. Okay. Uh -huh. Scott Norwood, the kicker who was wide right yeah. in the Super Bowl. I was hoping I was the only one who heard it, but apparently I was. <laughs> <laughs> you and all of Twitter heard it. <laughs> That's true. That's Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Mike McDaniel, Nikki Kelly of the Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette, and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org slash iwir, or starting Monday, you can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity or Bright House Networks. I'm Jim Shella of Wish TV. Join us next time, because a lot can happen in an Indiana week. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com.